Welcome to the Inspired Women Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Hall, psychology student, wife, and mama four. On this podcast, I share helpful life tips and stories from inspirational women. Warning, sometimes we chat about taboo topics and drop some F-bombs. Thank you for tuning in with me today. Enjoy the episode. Hey guys, today I'm here with Marjorie, Marjorie Workington, author, speaker, and life path mentor, has spent most, most of her working career as a nurse in a healthcare setting. Marjorie has also been a trailblazer in many areas of her life, one being the main income earner for her household, providing for her husband and three children way before that was a common situation. She also started running marathons in her 50s, which inspired others to do the same. Holy moly, I can't even run a marathon, Marjorie, and you're running them. No. <laughs> I give you major kudos for that. Um, so Marjorie is a lifelong learner with a passion for connecting theory to the practical applications that lead to transformation. With her wealth of experience and broad perspective on life, she is able to share her wisdom in accessible and inspiring ways. As a woman that has a heart wired to care for others, you can also find her spending time giving back to her community. Marjorie is a wife, mother, and grandmother who lives in Abbotsford, BC. Did I say that right? You did. Okay. And uh, for people who don't know, BC is British Columbia, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Canada. Uh, Canada. <laughs> I, I always, I say this every time I have a Canadian on, I'm like, I'm a quarter Canadian. My grandfather's from Canada, actually. So <laughs> that's it. He's from Montreal originally. And where, uh, where I'm from in upstate New York is uh, right where Cornwall, the, the Canadian border where Cornwall is. Yeah. So cool. I, I, that's my little piece. So sometimes when I'm talking, my friends go, what kind of accent do you have? And I was like, I don't know. I grew up near Canada. And they're like, oh, it's a Canadian, a little Canadian accent. I was like, yeah, I guess so. I don't know. <laughs> um, so Marjorie and I are recording this in May, um, which means we are still in the midst of this coronavirus, COVID-19 pandemic. And I'm sure by the time everybody hears this, it won't be over because I'm not thinking that it's going to disappear in a month. Um, so, <laughs> but we are uh, in this, you know, weird situation. We're here in the States. We are opening back, things back up. And I know in Canada, you guys are handling it a little bit differently than we are. I was just telling Marjorie how I wish I was Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so when we're talking about, you know, the topic uncertainty, we are in the midst of a very uncertain time. And I don't think that it's going to just clear itself up. I think we're going to be on a, uh, in an uncertain time for quite a while. Um, cause none of us know what's going to happen and how this virus is going to continue on. It's not going to die out. So Marjorie, share with us a little bit about uncertainty. Where, where did this all start? I mean, you're talking about uncertainty. Mm -hmm. Thanks. It's really nice to be with you. And I'm, I'm struck, as you asked me that question, by the fact that I wrote my book in uh, 2019. I started in March of 2019 and finished by December. 
Uh, it was published in February of this year. And as I wrote it last year, of course, I had no idea what was coming up in 2020. It was enough of a leap for me to write a book. That was enough uncertainty for me. It's my first book and I've always wanted to write one and it was time. And, and then when I finished it and, and my book launch was canceled and my speaking engagements didn't happen. I mean, talk about um, disappointment, uncertainty. There's a certain part of me that thinks it's a rather petty thing to be disappointed about because I'm still safe and healthy and alive. And yet it was really a dream of mine to share this book with the world. So the topic uncertainty was very much part of my book in the sense of um, my whole book is the metaphor of hiking. So when you go hiking on a trail, there's often twists and turns and maybe detours and things that, that show up unexpectedly. And so I talk about what to do when there's chaos, when there's a mess, when, when you don't know where the trail is going. And so for me, uh, I, I think back to my life, my, my long life. I've had a long, long, long life, lots of experiences. And the advantage to that is, is as I wrote, I saw how times of uncertainty actually brought forth unexpected adventures and transformations for me. And so uncertainty still freaks me out. I'll tell you, last week I had a meltdown one day. Just, mm -hmm. just It was just like, oh my goodness, how long is this going to last? We, there's no end in sight. No one can tell me when it's going to be over. And I, I, really, I really felt a wave of, of uh, fear and frustration. And so that's when I have some tools in my book, and I can talk about that a little bit if you like, how to manage uncertainty, because it, it doesn't go away. Just because I've written a book about it doesn't mean I've figured it out. It's, a, it's almost a daily reminder for me what to do about it. Yeah, and, and like I said, we are definitely in an uncertain times. We don't know where this is going to yeah. lead us, what's going to happen next. They're talking about that there might be yeah. another huge spike in the fall because, you exactly. know, it'll be flu yeah. season. Yeah. And yeah. uh, it's just wild right now because yeah. you, you yeah. just don't know what next week's going to bring to you. Right, right. One of, my, um, one of my biggest supports during this time has been my, um, my life coach that I hired when I retired in 2011. Uh, her name is Allison. I talk about her in my book quite a bit. And, and she is now a friend. And I was on a, a meditation call with her recently. And one of the things that she suggested would be helpful, and it was really timely for me, is the whole idea of when I'm anxious, when I'm in a place of uncertainty, I either want to hope for what's going to be different, or I wish it was like it used to be, that those two extremes. Right. And, and what I'm realizing, and she suggested, is that the, the real way to be grounded and to to calm down is to be with what's happening right now. Mm. And she calls it coming home to myself. And, and yep. so taking time to slow down, take a deep breath. Okay, today, what do I have control over? Where can I put my energy? Mm -hmm. What can I be grateful for? And not in a, in a Pollyanna kind of a way, but in a way that is honoring that there is both and, right? And so I talk about in my book, I didn't grow up learning to cry. I was the oldest of six children. Marjorie managed. I was, I was in charge. The little kids had temper tantrums. I didn't. I didn't lose it. And it took me many years to realize that if I started crying, I would actually be, be able to stop. Because <laughs> there were times I right. thought, if I start crying, I'm never going to stop. I, I can't lose it, right? And I'm realizing the healing aspect of tears. And so when I'm anxious, when I'm afraid to just 
admit it to myself, to my husband, to my journal, to a close friend, and then allow the tears to flow and then to say, okay, now what? And then it might be just a simple little step that I take. It's not a big deal. It might be, okay, I am going to walk in the woods today, even if I'm feeling anxious. Mm -hmm. I am going to make a pot of soup. I am going to take a shower, whatever it is that I decide to do to, to stay in the moment. So that's been, that's been really important for me personally. I think um, the other piece that's been really interesting for me, and I wrote a, a blog post about this, it's in the Elephant Journal, and I talk about grief. Because I think that often when people are anxious, they don't realize that they're mourning the losses of what used to be. Mm. And so to, to admit that this is a really grief-filled time yes. and that sometimes the grief that happened in the past that maybe wasn't mourned or resolved or I was too busy to deal with it, now I've got more space. A lot of people are home. They maybe can't get away from themselves or get distract themselves. Okay, what do I do with this grief? How do I, how do I manage that and what can I learn from it? So that's been, that's been a bit of a, a journey for me and, and quite um, an adventure, really. So not a bad thing necessarily. And grief is good. It reminds me of what I miss, what I loved. Right. I think a lot of times people think of grief, they think of like, you're losing somebody, right? But it, yeah. it, it's not always that you, somebody has died. Um, it no. can often be that you have lost something. Maybe it is a relationship. You can grieve a relationship. So sometimes like when a friendship ends or a a marriage ends or right, like you said, right now we are grieving because we're grieving those things that we're missing out on. Um, We're grieving those things that will never be the same. Right. Um, We, I think of grieving my, my oldest daughter had her birthday, April 3rd. And I grieve the fact that I couldn't celebrate in a proper way my 17-year-old, you know, um, that she's not going to get to finish out her junior year of high school. She doesn't have that much left of high school. And so it's all these things that I think that we are in a collective trauma and we are all grieving something right now. And like you said, you said earlier, you said, you know, I'm healthy and I'm safe and, you know, I I shouldn't feel this way, but you're grieving that loss of like being able to go on your book tour and stuff. And it's not a selfish thing. Like we all have things that we're missing out on. I saw a friend, um, she dropped off masks for my kids. Uh, what was it last week sometime? And I, we stood at a six foot distance and we're talking and I grieved, I grieve the fact that I can't have those moments with my friends. I can't just go over to her house and sit on her couch, you know? So I think I, I agree with you. We're all, we all, all, grieving something right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And interestingly enough, uh, there are people who are already grieving when this is over, which is an interesting perspective. And so the uncertainty of what if life does go back the way it was, and, and there's a part of them that doesn't want that. And so right. then, oh, I'm, I'm going to grasp and, and just hope it stays like this. And in a way, that's just as much taking away from the joy of today as someone who just is frustrated and just said, it shouldn't be this way. I just want it to go back to normal. And so it's interesting. I think there's a, a there's no one way that people are reacting to this. And that's the struggle. And for me, oh, I used to be so judgmental. Six weeks ago, if I'd go for a walk and someone didn't move over, or I saw my neighbors talking and I knew they were breaking the, the six feet rule, 
oh, I would just have this wave of anger. And part of it maybe is my nursing background and knowing no, how you, diseases I felt the are same spread. Way. I felt the <laughs> okay. same way. Yeah. I'm just trying to justify my anger. <laughs> but anyway, so then I, I just, I'm realizing, okay, I want to be kind and I want to, to take care of myself. And so now I'm the one that's going to move over if other people don't. And I just don't even say anything or, or, you know, make a face at them because I, it, it's, it just takes away from my own energy. Right. So to be responsible for my own experience is, is really tough during these times, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. yeah. And, and I would find myself getting angry and frustrated and irritated at the complete and utter lack of care and compassion for other people. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. people at, here I in the United I States, do. you are in Canada, but here in the United States, we have protests happening all over the country. And I know some of those protests are because, you know, people are unemployed and their businesses are failing and this, our government, government is not doing enough. It's just not. Um, I understand that, but then there's others out there with signs that says, I need a haircut. Let me golf. Like those are the, I told yeah. my therapist this morning, those are the people I can't have compassion for. Mm -hmm. I try yeah. so hard, but I'm like, you are going to get out there armed with automatic rifles and say, I want a haircut. And I'm sorry, but like that to me is ridiculous, but I've gotten past like you, I'm deciding how I'm going to you know, um, manage my, my energy. And so instead of getting angry and frustrated at this, I kind of laugh. I'm just like, this whole situation is ridiculous. Yeah. It's just, yeah, that's well. And I think what you just said, Megan is key is, is where do you focus your energy? And so if I focus my energy on something I don't have control over, it is going to totally drain me and I'm going to feel more and more anxious and, you know, worried and angry and my health will suffer, you mm -hmm. know, because I'm, I'm in this place of, of, of tension. And so what I'm practicing, not always easy, and sometimes I, I think the only thing I can control is my attitude, really. That's the only thing. I can't control you. I can't control my husband. I, I can't control the people on the trails that I walk on the drivers that, that seem so distracted. It, 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 all I can do is, is take care of myself and, and be 100% responsible for my experience, which is, I think, not a selfish thing. It, I think it's, it's basic. So that's, that's one of the things that um, helps me to focus on where, what, I, what I have um, control over. Yes. And if anybody can hear crazy children in the background, I tried muting myself, but they are fighting in the hallway right next to my office. This is pandemic interviews. <laughs> like I usually only have to deal with this during the summer. And in the summer, it's so nice out that I just ship them outside. Um, but it's been very rainy here lately. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is oh. so hard. It's, um, this is life. I mean, this is the reality, life. right? And, right. um, it's another, another, I mean, how do, I don't know how you do this, this Megan, but how do how do you support your children in uncertainty? Like, do you like what, Ooh. what, because I think the kids are, are struggling as well. Yeah. And so then how do, how do we, I have grandchildren who I miss desperately, don't see them, haven't seen them for almost two months. And how are they managing with, with all of this? Mm -hmm. And they must hear things. So I, I'm, I'm aware of that as well. The children yeah. in all of this. It's so I know that they're all, 
they are all dealing with this in their own way. I have one who he has very big mood swings. So it, he'll be super lovey, super whatever. But then when you tell him what to do, he gets very angry and starts crying. And then, and then I have a daughter, his twin sister, who just cries at the drop of a hat. She gets frustrated with school online. Her brother's mean to her. And then I have one, a 10-year-old who's super mean all the time, yeah. um, tells all of us she hates us. Um, and then I have a teenager who's moody and is always bored and is always, so they're yeah. all, I know they're all going through something. And I realized, so I was not brought up in a household that I really learned the best parenting skills. Um, my mom was definitely a yeller and I've come to realize over the years that I kind of embodied that. So this week, um, for the first month, I was really just trying to maintain my mental sanity, to be honest, because, um, I have mental health problems. Anybody who listens to the podcast knows that. And so the first month I was really having a hard time with it. But this last week or so I was like, you know, it's not helping that I'm like, I'm feeling that way. What can I do? Um, so the last actually two weeks I have been meditating and doing yoga, things that I know make me feel good and things that help me calm down. So I don't know if it's the yoga and meditation or if it's because I'm making a very, um, conscious effort to really not like flip out on my kids. Instead, I'm trying to calmly talk to them. If they get angry or upset, like what is angering you? What is upsetting you? How can we, how can we move past this? Like, what do you need right now? What kind of support? And I, I feel like right. that's, yeah. that's helped a lot. Um, it's very difficult to do that with the teenager because they just don't want to hear anything that comes out. <laughs> she doesn't want to hear anything yeah. that comes out of my mouth. Yeah. Um, but I, I think as parents, uh, and I'm doing this imperfectly, mind you, as parents, we need to really be mindful of our energy and what we're putting out and what we're saying to our kids. We can't just we can't just pretend that this isn't happening. Um, and especially for me at my, my kids are eight, eight, 10 and 17. I can't just pretend like this isn't happening and be like, Oh, you're out of school just for nothing. No, I have to talk to them. Why am I yeah. wearing a mask? Like when I leave the house, like, you know, why do I only, why do I only go to the grocery store and we really don't go anywhere else? Why can't they play with their friends and, you know, really having conversations, not to, to, to instill fear, Right. Like the other day I realized, um, my kids were getting a little fearful and I was like, you don't have anything. You're not leaving the house. Like you don't have anything to fear. Like, um, this is not something. And, and if you got it anyways, you guys will probably be okay. Like yeah. I'm the one I'm yeah. concerned yeah. about me not being okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And not being able to take care of them. Um, so having these honest conversations, but not not making them super fearful, just making them aware, you know, as long as we are washing our hands and we're not touching our face when we've been out in public and, you know, we wear the masks when we go out, they don't go, they haven't left this house in a month and a half um, because there's no reason for them to. Oh no, I take it back. They left it yesterday. Their sister brought them to get ice cream. <laughs> so <laughs> um, the nice thing is the ice cream parlor near our house, uh, they do, you can, they do online ordering only. So you order online and they only allow so many orders per time spot. And you pick the time spot and you go pick it up and that, that avoids a crowd of people there. And they're all wearing masks and gloves and all taking the precautions. So I was like, because they are so 
um, they're taking all those precautions. I felt pretty comfortable with them going and picking up. My daughter even said, she's like, there was nobody there, mom. Like I went and I picked up the ice cream and it was all good. And um, so that was the first time my kids had left the house in a month mm -hmm. and a half. And um, yeah. so, yeah, yeah. The, basically I just feel like having these honest conversations and really as parents being mindful of our energy and, um, yeah. and, and being realistic, like this is hard and we're all going to, yeah be going through something, yeah. but we also need to be mindful. It's hard for them too. Yeah. So Megan, when you talked about the importance, how meditation seemed to be helping you and doing your yoga, I believe that any, any activity that a parent can do for themselves, that, that is solitary and, and intentional, and it could be a walk in the woods, it could be journaling, it could be doing what you're doing. And, and I believe that when your children see that you're doing that, you're actually, your 17-year-old might not be talking to you and admitting it, she's watching you. Right. And so whether you know it or not, she is seeing, okay, mom is putting herself first and is taking care of herself here. She may not get it at this point, but I think that it's probably more impactful than you realize. And even if no one ever tells you that it made a difference, doesn't matter. You know that it is. And I think that's for, for us women. Um, I mean, I know my, my history is, is working full time and my husband was home with the children. And so then I would work as a nurse. I did 12 hour shifts. I, I worked in critical care. I was involved in the SARS epidemic in the 1990s, which is another type of coronavirus. So I, I've, I've been in, in the trenches, in the front line, like mm -hmm. a lot of people are now. And I've come home and oh my goodness, the first thing I would usually do is go for a walk by myself before I would talk to anyone in the household. And it was my way of having a bit of a bubble, half an hour of time just to debrief. Right. And then, and then I, would, I would be ready to, to be with my three children and talk to my husband and he could have a break. But it, it's, um, it's very important. And I think for men and women, especially now when we're home with the children, we, I say you are, I'm, I don't have children at home. But anyone who's home with children full time, I... I, I think there should be horns honking and pots crashing at seven in the evening for those parents. I really do. Because you, you have, I think, a way harder job than a lot of the frontline caregivers. It's, it's so important. So hats off to you. Ah, thank yeah. you. I think it's equally as hard um, that they're, they're just hard in different ways. And uh, yeah, I, I used to be a yeah, stay-at-home mom. It's not a competition. Mom. Right. Yeah. I yeah. used to be a stay-at-home mom. Uh, for many years. And then I, I finally went back to work and now there's a pandemic. Um, yeah. But I'll have to say this is harder than just being a stay at home mom because yeah. now I'm having to make sure they're doing their schoolwork and they're older. So I kind of give them free reign to do it. And then of course I'll get an email from their teacher saying, you know, they're behind on And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm trying to uh, maintain my mental sanity, make sure yeah, four children yeah. get their schoolwork done. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's just, and keep my house clean. My, my landlord came yesterday, our, our, um, our broiler or boiler, it, it broke and, uh, he had to come to my house to, to check it out and he's fixing it this week. Thank goodness it's warm out. Uh, but I was so embarrassed about what a wreck my house was. And I'm like, mm -hmm. I just, there's only so much you have energy for in a day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's the other thing uh, in terms of uncertainty uh, is, the, is the having compassion for ourselves. 
And I know for myself, I have a very loud inner critic. This, this voice in my head that, that tells me I'm not, I'm not enough. And so I believe that talking to myself the way I would talk to a friend. Sometimes I think if, if I had a friend and I talked to my friend the way I talked to myself, I, I would, we, our friendship would be gone because I right. can be very rude to myself. So self-compassion, um, the, the reminder that, that really we're, I'm doing the best I can. I'm, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm giving it what I can do. And the other thing I wanted to allude back to with your children is I love that you're acknowledging to them that you're getting help for this. I heard you say that you're seeing a therapist, you're, you're admitting, like this isn't an easy time for us adults either. And so I don't think it helps to protect children and pretend that we, right. we've got, because we can't make promises that everything's going to be okay. So the uncertainty is not only that we are uncertain, it's we have no way of reassuring our children that, that, that we, there's nothing to promise because we don't know. And so I think, um, I think you're, you're very wise in what you're modeling to your children. And um, uncertainty for me, it can catch me by surprise. And, and I, I think I figured it out and then something will happen and I'm just thrown back into this place of, of um, anxiety. Mm. And you mentioned your boiler being broken. Well, last week, <laughs> I was shocked how I reacted. A year and a half ago, we had a huge water leak in our home. We were, it took eight months to finish. We were oh living gosh. in hotels for five, six, seven weeks. Luckily, we had insurance, in it, but, but the upheaval was enormous. Mm. That got fixed. Do you know what happened on Thursday? There's a leak in our bathroom. I'm in the shower. I get out. My husband comes in and says, oh, there's bubbles up in the shower ceiling. There's a leak. He calls the plumber. I didn't know how big the leak was going to be. I didn't know what it would cost. Our insurance has gone way up because of that big thing last year. Yeah. And you know what? I almost didn't recognize myself. It was like I went into, I'm almost a PTSD, like a, a post-traumatic reaction. And I realized that my body remembers and so I really had to ask for help. I needed to just say, I am not doing well. I gave myself time to, to just oh, take right. a walk in nature, hug a tree that no one else had hugged <laughs> and, and, and have some, some time to calm myself and, and, my, and trust and trust that it would be taken care of. Again, focus what I had control over. So again, it's an example of how the nitty gritty really brings up stuff, doesn't it? Yeah. And I, I, I feel like this is the time where you're like, I don't want anything to go wrong. I can, I was texting with my landlord. I'm like, how can I fix this? Like what? And he's telling me different things that might've happened and I could try these different, nothing worked. And I'm like, I don't want to tell this man that I, I need him to come up here because I've been trying to stay away from people. I know. I know. Yeah. And you know, the reality is the plumber came and, and we kept our distance and he was gone in an hour and it's fixed and it's not a major thing. They, you know, we have an old house and the pipes leak. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Cause this that was the other thing. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Why does it, you know, it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be this way. And if I go to that place, that is a surefire recipe for me to be anxious and to, to flounder in the swamp of shame, because of course, not only do I feel anxious, then I feel shame that I feel anxious because I should right. know better. After I wrote a book about it. 
<laughs> well, I mean, this morning I told you before we hopped on, my cat went missing, and um, I'm I had a I do tele teletherapy with my therapist every two weeks. Um, that this just started um, the teletherapy she used to do in person, but because of the pandemic, she's doing tele. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'm like on and talking to her, I'm like, my cat's missing, and I don't know what to do, and she was just like what can you control right now? Like, what can you do about this? And I was like, when I get off, I can go and search for the cat. And she's like, yeah, how about we not talk about the cat right now? Because you don't even know where he might be. By the way, he was in the dryer. One of my kids closed the dryer door last night. Didn't look for the cat because we've never had the cats go in the dryer before. And the cat was in the dryer for like 16 hours. (laughs) He's fine. Uh, he just peed on some blankets that I had to rewash. But I, we searched the house high and low, searched outside in the woods, calling him. I was crying. And then my therapist was like, what can you do about this? And I was like, you know what? You're right. And so I did the things I would. I posted on a, a, a local um, Facebook group. I posted on my Facebook page. I called my landlord because they live right up the road. And they t- they contacted the neighbors they knew. And so we had everybody looking for the cat if they saw it to let me know. So I took all the, the actions, but I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, the whole point was you really have to be mine because first yesterday we have the boiler that broke and then the cat goes missing and I, you really have to be mindful of like, what am I feeling right now? And you yeah. know, I've been yeah. in therapy for years. Um, I was a life coach for a little while and I know like you, I know all these things, but when you're in the moment, sometimes it just, you're those things you learned don't, doesn't click on. It's like your old reactions. That's what comes forward. Yeah. 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 And that's where the self-compassion is so important and to be kind to ourselves. And you mentioned, um, noticing what's happening and one of the things that I write about in my book too is the importance of paying attention to what my body is telling me Mm. because I think a lot of people don't really know that the body knows Mm. sometimes before my mind even knows and so to to take a moment to say where do I feel tension do I have an upset stomach and then rather than treat it with a pill or an antacid or whatever just really say okay what what might be causing that and again then Perhaps there's something I can ask for help. And I don't know how you find it, but I'm, I'm learning how important it is to receive. And I think in this, in this time of uncertainty, we may not be able to receive practically, you know, like by getting something tangible from somebody, but perhaps reaching out like you're doing to your therapist or to your neighbors, or I have friends that I, I have Zoom calls with, and not being afraid to admit that I need help. And one of the areas I'm learning to receive is, is because I'm, I'm in the age, I'm, I'm considered a senior. <laughs> of course I am, <laughs> even though I find it hard to, to imagine. And so my daughter doesn't want me shopping. And so she has been doing groceries for us for the last six weeks. And I tell you, every time she comes to the door with this big you know, box of groceries, I find myself oh, she's working so hard and I I wish I could do it. And then I think, no, I'm going to receive graciously. And that's just how it is. And and it's it's interesting how receiving, asking for help isn't isn't easy for for me. And I think for a lot of people. Right. That's another thing to manage uncertainty by saying, I'm not doing great. Like I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm, 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 
kind of a mess right now. Can, can you just listen? Yeah. <laughs> or, or, you know, normalize. Can you, can you, and then chances are the other person will share what they're going through. And mm-hmm. I realize, okay, I guess it's okay. We're in this together. Yeah, my friend who brought me the masks, she brought me a bottle of wine too. And I was, at, I was so tempted to be like, oh no, you didn't. I mean, I did say, oh no, you didn't have to do that. And then instead of like you said, we have to get used to receiving. But it's, I feel like I'm hardwired, like growing up to always, because everybody around me was always like, no, don't do that. No. And, and nobody ever asked for help and all these things where I am having to learn and relearn, you know, it's so hard that childhood program programming and you have to relearn all the things. And I have been working on a couple years ago when I still had a relationship with my mom. One time she said to me, I don't have a relationship with her anymore, but one time she said to me, Megan, you have to just say thank you when somebody does something for you or somebody gives you something because it hurts people's feelings when they're trying to do something nice for you and you just wave them off. And I was just like, Oh, that makes a lot of sense. So now if somebody offers to do something for me, I just say thank you. And I'm not always perfect about it. (laughs) Um, And realize I don't have to, I don't have to feel like I have to do something for them right after that. No, no. In fact, when you say thank you, you're, you're participating in what I call the gift exchange. I call that so often a gift isn't really a gift unless it's received. And so somebody may be, pleased if you just smile and say thank you i i really liked hearing that and and rather than brush it off and 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 dismiss what mm-hmm. give a compliment for example so right so it's, hard it's, to take um, it is it, it's very hard and um one of the things when i was working in in workshops and we talked about receiving and about the importance of 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 not brushing off comments that were were appreciative mm-hmm. and so we would we would get the the participants to practice saying okay you've got a learning partner you've worked with them for 4 days now you're going to say goodbye i want you to tell them what you appreciate about them and the other person all they were allowed to say was thank you i like hearing that period no, oh, I was just lucky, or oh, I heard, I could have done better. None of that. Just thank you. I like hearing that, and it, it was almost like pulling teeth to get them to do that. Yeah. yeah, and so it's it's kind of fun for me to practice that, and I, I have days where it's easier than others. Right. No, I <laughs> I've, really I've been a, I've been practicing it for a long time, and it's still hard. Where yeah. I just want to I want to yeah. dismiss it, but. Then again, I'm one of those people when I give somebody something, I obviously, I I mean, I'm not expecting anything in return. So I have to remind myself, like, when I give something, I'm not expecting somebody to to return that favor. So why should I think that that somebody else has that expectation for me? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's probably, you know, tied into our identities, being a helper and a caregiver and the person who can help others, right? And if I can't help you, who am I? And that's a whole nother journey for me because I, I'm a helper. And so sometimes helping is by receiving. That's yeah. the best way I can. I can. Especially right now for you, your daughter mm-hmm. really just wants to keep you safe. She does. And- she does. Yeah, I know. And it's... Um, it's getting easier. Yeah. I, um, I, I, yeah. So it's, it's been interesting. So different, I think this opportunity during the time of, of um, self-isolation, distancing, being alone with our families, 
is, is um, it's kind of like a, an opportunity. Things get shaken up. And so what do I do with that thing that I didn't even know was underneath there? Because all of a sudden there's something, oh, I didn't know that, that that's how I showed up. And so then what do I do with it? How do I let go of what's not important? And then really slow down, be quiet, and notice what's happening in myself. Come home to myself. Really pay attention to what does Marjorie want? What is Marjorie feeling right now? What's my body telling me? And sometimes for me, having a fairly flexible schedule, I'll have a bubble bath in the morning, or I'll have a nap, or I'll go to bed early, or I'll stay up late. Or I'll bake cookies and have six cookies in a row just because they remind me of my mom and I'm, I'm wanting to nurture myself. This isn't the time to be hard on myself. So mm-hmm. it's, been, it's been lots of stuff has come up for me and I don't think I'm alone. I think, I think it's true for many people. And to kind of see it as a bit of a, an experiment maybe, a bit of an adventure. Oh, okay. My kids are like that today. Hmm. I didn't know that that person acted like that. And rather than just making them wrong, like get curious, right? I know that's hard in the middle of a fight with four kids. I'm not saying it's easy. However, yeah, it might even be an experiment for them to to think about themselves in that way, right? I don't know. it's It's a unique time for sure. It, it really is. And it's, um, oh my, my therapist had challenged me to have more empathy for people. And I told her today, I said, I failed at your challenge. I tried really hard, but there are certain types of people out there right now that I just can't mm-hmm. find empathy for. Mm-hmm. I said, I'm trying mm-hmm. really hard. I said, but when I see people out there armed with guns, protesting, saying they want a haircut, I just can't find empathy for that. Yeah. Like I just can't. Yeah. Um, so instead I, I've challenged myself. If I can't find empathy, I need to find like some sort of entertainment with it. <laughs> like just kind of yeah. laughing about the stupidity, you know, instead yeah. of, cause yeah. I mean, yeah. sometimes a I way just of coping with it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. In, in, in a way of coping with it, that's not going to drain me because I'm getting angry and irritated right. and or be hurtful to them. Yeah, yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. And, and yeah. you know, I yeah. have made a conscious choice of what I will and will not interact with on social media anymore. Um, that uh, if I see, important. yeah, if I see something that's triggering me, I will unfollow it. And if somebody continues yeah. to hop under my posts and say nasty things, I'm, I'm just going to delete them. Um, I'm not yeah. going to engage with arguing with strangers. I had, uh, I commented under a friend's post and somebody tore into me and I simply said, I'm a stranger on the internet. And I feel like you should not be saying these sort of things to a stranger on the internet. I'm ashamed that I live in a country where people think it's okay to tear into strangers on the internet. And the person never responded. And I was like, good, because you should know that I, that's, that's, that's unacceptable behavior. Like, right. Why? Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I have been very um, conscious of what I've been interacting with. And I think that we need to be, yeah. we need to be very like that. So, you know, I just it just reminded me of 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 the the principle of setting boundaries and again it ties in with what do I say yes to I mean that my book is called saying yes to life and and so I, there's many things I can say yes to and uh, I know on another podcast you had with a, with a guest you talked about every time a person says yes there's a no that happens right mm-hmm. and so what you're doing is you're saying yes to your mental health when you say no 
to to listening to these mean comments and and posts that are are draining and rude so i think setting boundaries is a again it's it's almost a, as much of a challenge as receiving yes. you know to just say no that i will not tolerate this i will take care of myself i am going to create a bubble of love around myself and not allow this hate to come in yeah. it's very important Especially and it has right very now. yeah and it has it has benefits um, physically too i believe that if i can do that i will be healthier I won't be as stressed. I won't get the tension headaches. I can't go for my massages now every month. And so I, I you know, the tense shoulders haven't been as bad for me because I'm really focusing on, on not allowing things to come into my sphere of, of energy that are, are not life-giving. And that's going to be different for everyone. My husband can watch the news and not be triggered. Oh, I cannot. I find I, I am an empath, and so I, I just carry it. And so I get the highlights from him. And, you know, so there's a way that, that I'm managing it that way and um, not needing to, to sit through a half hour newscast that just drains me and, mm -hmm. and creates triggers for me. So I have a news article I'm following that updates every day what's going on in, in Connecticut where I live um, okay. on, you know, what has the governor said, what is happening, like whatever. Yeah. And I just check that once a day, like to yeah. get the updates Perfect. and that's yeah. it. Yeah. Because I, like you, cannot watch the news. It's just too much yeah. for me. Well, it's good to know that about ourselves. So I think that self-awareness is so important. And um, yeah, another article I wrote, just if I can just mention it, is, yeah. is the, you know, how many people can't travel during this time. And a lot of mm -hmm. trips have been canceled. And so I just had another blog post published that was called uh, Take the Trip of a Lifetime During COVID-19. And it's, it's talking about traveling inward. And so a lot of what, what you and I have chatted about today, I, I alluded to, because there is that self-awareness then. If I know that I'm triggered by the news, if I'm triggered by people who act a certain way, I can, I can choose to not put myself in their company something right. you know things like that and so as soon as i have awareness then i have choice about how to respond rather than just get reactive so marjorie so uh, as as we wrap up the podcast today what is something that you would like to leave the inspired women audience with oh thank you for asking i think the thing that i would like to leave the listeners with is the knowledge that they have wisdom within themselves more than they ever knew. And that especially nowadays when there's so many conflicting experts that are giving right. advice and saying things, and even you and I bandied about some ideas and suggestions, it may be that what I suggested doesn't resonate with, with somebody. That doesn't mean that they have to do it. Right. Trust your own wisdom. We all have a very powerful inner wise voice and i would encourage the listeners myself and you to trust ourselves and to really spend time with ourselves get to know what's going on inside and then listen to what our our intuition is telling us well marjorie thank you so much for coming on the podcast today you're welcome Thank you for being a part of the Inspired Women audience. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating review. And don't forget to share this out with somebody who could use some inspiration today. Tag us at Inspired Women Podcast, both on Facebook and Instagram. Have a great day.